At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Check your feelings at the door. Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? We're bringing you facts and only the truth. Now, Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? It's your boy, George Reister, with Ralph Amson, and this is Reister or Wrong, the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door before you even show up. No BS is allowed. We keep it 100. So today, the Lakers and the Suns series is over. Ralph can gloat. He can be happy. But all of this talk about LeBron's legacy has just, just, it, it's tiresome. It's tiresome and it's old. Um, NBA fans are trying to cancel NBA players talking about some damn, oh, the, the, the sportsmanship. Where's the sportsmanship? Crying about that. That's part of canceler consequence today. The NFL has been race norming as far as their concussion settlements go for players with d- dementia claims and other things. And they finally admitted it. And they're changing their ways, but nobody's making this a big deal. Um, The Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921 
has, like, it's a damn shame that it's 2021, almost 100 years later, and people are just learning about this four to five years ago. Uh, Ralph hates the vaccine incentives that they're giving out. He's confused. He's like, "Why? how does this make sense? And, uh, and of course, the best of social media. Yeah, that's what we got today. <laughs> so, but we will start today. The floor is yours, Ralph. What do you have to say about your Phoenix Suns? They're good. They're good. And I think that uh, Lakers fans, as tough as it is to swallow, should just get behind the fact that Anthony Davis was injured. They would have had a much better chance if he wasn't. But the Suns are very good. And so hop on because you never know. Maybe Devin Booker is going to be a Laker someday. The way the NBA works, nothing's permanent. Uh, enjoy the ride. This is a good team. It's a good team. Devin Booker is working himself to being a Laker, a Laker quality player. I don't, I don't mind grooming, <laughs> watching other players being groomed in other spots to come win championships with the Lakers. That's how I, that's how I watch though. Like I, I just enjoy basketball. I, it's my favorite sport um, by far live. I'm partial to, to, to hockey. I don't know much about hockey, but um, li- live, that's good, definitely Bobby. my favorite for sure. Um, but b- basketball, I mean, I could sit down, I could watch um, two kindergarten teams play, and if somebody hits a, a, a 15 footer, I'm gonna be up out of my seat. Like, I just love, love basketball. And so, when I watch uh, anybody anywhere, I just imagine them in a Suns jersey and 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 try to think about how I would feel about them. And I'm, I'm a firm believer also in that it makes sense to root for the team that you lost to because you can then justify it to yourself that like we lost to the best team. I know the years when the Lakers were running things with Shaq and Kobe and when the Spurs had their intermittent dynasty, yeah. um, the the road led through the suns almost every single time. And, uh, and I didn't enjoy it, but I definitely felt better about it knowing that like, all right, the suns gave the best team in the NBA all that they could handle. And I feel like this is a really good Lakers team. I wouldn't blow too many things up beyond just getting Kyle Kuzma shipped on the next bus to Toronto or wherever. Um, but I think that if if they can make a couple of smaller, I don't think they need a star. I think if they make, can make a couple of smaller moves and everybody can be healthy, then LeBron, LeBron's last run because it's the final year under contract, right? Yep. I think I think they enter next year as the what, top three title favorite. So I don't yeah. I don't think they have to go too crazy. It was the injury bug plus the Suns are good. Just I'm just begging Lakers fans at this point in time to look at the team that beat you and say, no, we were. We were legit. We weren't perfect. We were legit. And and Devin Booker uh, did something really special in this series. That's that's okay, my advice. See, I, I, my takeaway from it was a couple things. Was that LeBron James, at this point in time, he needs more help. He's in year 18. and But him and Anthony Davis and the rest of this roster was enough. But... With KCP getting hurt, Caruso getting hurt, Anthony Davis getting hurt, that the Suns are too good for you to be able to fade that. You know what I mean? If they were playing the Washington Wizards in the first round, they would have got out of the first round. You know what I mean? If they were playing, um, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, they would have gotten out of the first round. 
this was just a case of you played a really good team. And to me, I thought that while Devin Booker was really good in the game, particularly in the first half, I thought the difference between them winning this series and not winning this series was Chris Paul. Like he was finally healthy for a for an important moment. You know what I mean? Like, like, and granted, he was not perfectly healthy. Like, he shot four for what four for twelve last last night. But his two most important buckets were in the fourth quarter when the Lakers cut it to ten. And had he not made those two buckets, their lack of playoff experience would have caused that to be like a, a last second either loss or victory. Like it would have come down to the last possession. If that if they didn't have Chris Paul to to calm everybody down and right the ship. But overall, though, all this LeBron talk, man, it, it's 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 stupid to me. This. Oh, man, this hurts LeBron's legacy. He was 14 and 0 in the in the first round. Now he's 14 and one. Don't ever mention goat to me again. And I'm like, he's in year 18. What the, and the best, and he was the front runner for the MVP prior to getting hurt. And you're saying, what are you talking about? Like, what was Michael Jordan doing in year 18? Not a damn thing. He was collecting $125 million a year from Nike so he could then be the majority owner of the Hornets. <laughs> like, that's what he was doing. And that's my on. least favorite thing. It's just my least favorite thing is that we have to find reasons to take a swipe at Michael Jordan just to like anytime somebody if you, if you want to talk about LeBron James doing something that you don't like or his game on the surface fine but every time that somebody goes looking for a reason to compare him to Michael then p- people who actually remember the past have to come out of the woodwork and be like ah, 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 actually Michael had this or actually Michael did this and that's um it's just such a frustrating exercise because I feel like people don't remember the real Jordan. They, they either got caught up in the marketing of him or, or what it's, it's frustrating because for the, the six years that the bulls won championships, it was undebatable that Michael Jordan was the best basketball player on the planet. Yes, correct. Like it was, there was no, debate whatsoever these conversations about whether or not lebron has enough or he's done are conversations that we were all having in what was it like late 95 or whatever when whenever he came back from the um from the birmingham barons oh, yeah yeah yeah. so and he, so, he so wasn't he in basketball shape yet yeah that was 95 because that's when he came back and then they won 96 97 98 yeah, we talked a lot. We talked a lot about whether he had it, whether he would ever be back. I mean, all you have to do is just go just go watch the last dance. If you don't remember, just at least go watch that and see the amount of criticism that he faced. He took a lot of shots with eight defenders in his face. He riled teammates. Yep. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, if he was having the same exact career right now that he had back then, would be open to all of the same scrutiny that LeBron James is open to right now. But we just forget because we're so wrapped up in what yes. he meant to the game. Like he and didn't his get image. knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, swept by the Boston Celtics. Like these right. sorts of things happened. So 
the idea that in year 18, because to me, I'm I'm not getting into the LeBron legacy talk, all of all of this. I, I think it's futile, but and kind of juvenile at times the way people approach it. But I'm like at year 18, the only thing that you're doing, you're like you can only enhance your legacy. You can't take away from your your legacy. Oh, look, he lost in year 18. He's still the, the you can't even there is no other player that you can compare him to because there is no player in any sport. In any sport on the planet, the the closest thing that you could come to is Serena Williams in terms of being the best in your sport in year 18. I mean, that is She's the closest that you can come. There is not another player in any other sport because nobody thinks that Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Nobody. They think Patrick Mahomes is. They're like, Patrick Mahomes, there's nothing to talk about. Like nobody is undisputed the best player in their game for that long. I mean, we're, we're talking like 10 plus years, 10 plus years. And then and before that, there was a debate with him and Kobe for a couple years. Like, so for like, we're talking like 12, 14 years, depending on who you talk to, what he's considered the best player or in the conversation for the best player in the, in the world. That's unbelievable, dude. And the fact that people sit here and try to tear him down, I I just think it's super weak. I think it's super weak. And we, and these are, this, this is 18 years of NBA miles, like playing, near full seasons because and then two seasons know, of playoffs too right and i remember th- there's a couple of players that kept in incredible shape in the 90s 80s and 90s when basketball first entered my consciousness that played well into their 40s now i don't think lebron's going to play into his 40s you're younger than me right now he looks like he's maybe got two three good years left and i don't see him having one of those seasons where he puts up like five points four assists no no. Off the bench. I, I just I I don't think that's him. I think he's got too many plans off the court. I, I I don't think he'll miss the game. I think he will set out to he will have done everything he set out to do um, on an individual level by the time he leaves. But so let's say that you're counting college uh, two college seasons as one NBA year. Would you think that that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Well, well, so, yeah. As like actually almost. I mean, like it's really. Once you count the playoff games, it's like three college football basketball seasons. Yeah. All right. So we'll, let's just go with age. Let's just okay. go with age comparisons. Um, remember Robert Parrish? Yes. Played until he was 43 years old. He was one of the better old man basketball yes. players that I've ever seen. He stayed pretty consistent throughout, but the drop-off started for him from age 35 to 36. And then he, he played till he was, till he was 43 years old, but he went from averaging 19 and 13, 19 points, 13 rebounds at 35 to 16 and 10 at 36. And then every year from that point on it dwindled. Do you remember Kevin Willis? Of course, man. Yeah, Michigan State's Kevin Willis. At age 36, he averaged 12 points and eight rebounds a game, pretty consistent with what he had been producing um, for the majority of his 30s. The next year, moving into 37 years old, he was a seven and six guy. So, I mean, it's 
we're we're just at that age when it when it catches up with you um even uh, you hate the comparison but i always say that um that that lebron reminds me of some type of cross between grant hill and carl malone carl malone at age 36 is doing about what lebron kind of did this year um with 25 10 and 4 and and then you know each year from then on out was a pretty sharp drop off he averaged 23 and 8 he went from 25 and 10 to 23 and 8 as a 37 year old so i mean time catches up with, with with everybody and like you said with the amount of times that he's just been to the finals um the amount of playoff games that he's put in he's now a top 5 all time in playoff blocks yes like it's just it's crazy so i i, I don't have anything um disrespectful to say about LeBron. I think the only way that you can disrespect LeBron is if you are not addressing him as a basketball player, or you are addressing him in comparison to another basketball player and, and at cross position comparisons have never really made much sense to me. I've never looked at Michael Jordan and LeBron James in the same league, the way that I never looked at um, uh, Michael Jordan and Bill Russell the same. Okay. Now, now, LeBron James or Steph Curry has been in the NBA Finals every single year since 2010, except for this year. Every single year. Been carrying the NBA. And LeBron has been in the Finals every single one of those years, except for uh, 2019, which was his first year with with the Lakers. Every single one of those years, he's been in the Finals. Every single one, except for that year and this year. It's incredible. It's an incredible run. But then that begs this question. Because a lot of people were saying, oh, my gosh, the NBA got the worst possible thing as far as its ratings. That that you getting a Utah Jazz versus, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks is the worst case scenario. I would agree with that. I would agree with that premise, but there's plenty of star power left. If you get Luka in in the in the finals or continuing to make a deep run in the playoffs or even the Clippers cuz the Clippers have star power, but especially if you get Luka to win tonight versus the Clippers and then get to the Western Conference Finals, your your ratings are going to be fine. Like there's going to be no no hate there. Uh I think that the Phoenix Suns are in that second tier of team. And in the Eastern Conference, if you get Brooklyn, then you're fine as well. Uh, Giannis is a, is, a, is a star. I think that there are some matchups that can be very intriguing. That I mean, because it, it, the, the idea that just because you have something new does not mean that it's not going to be compelling. It won't be compelling if it's the Utah Jazz, I would agree. But there are other compelling stories that can, you know, make the finals and the rest of the playoffs worth watching. There are a lot of stars left, and the NBA is a star-driven league. I can't name a team that's still playing right now that doesn't have some type of compelling star. I mean, you could. They do not have a, a compelling star. You don't think Donovan Mitchell after putting up last year 57 in a playoff game, which is good for third all time, you don't think that that that's worth watching? No, no. Donovan Mitchell put on one of the best shows of the playoffs last year. For me, yes. 
But for the average NBA fan, absolutely not. They're not saying, oh, my God, let me watch the Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell. No, no, nobody's saying it. That doesn't mean that they suck or that they're bad. I think that they're built more like the 2004 Detroit Pistons than they are normal NBA champions. That the Pistons were the outlier in terms of not having a superstar on their team. They just had a bunch of stars. They had a collection of more stars and really good players than any other team, including the Lakers that they beat. But when you look at this Utah Jazz team, I think that they're the same type of situation. They have so many uh, good players, Joe Ingles and, and Clarkson, both one, two, and six men of the year. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, both all-stars. You know, and when you add O'Neal and the rest of the crew too, like th- this is a very well built team. Yeah, I, I just I'm excited. the 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 youth movement in the NBA is fantastic. Luca's maybe got 15 years of tearing people up in him. Trey Young, my lord, yes, like oh, re- like Trey Young being a villain in New York. Um, and really coming into his own was is is very fun. People finding out what people who have watched Devin Booker have known all along that the losing had nothing to do with him. Nothing. Like he has always been some version of what he was against the Lakers. An yeah. incredibly efficient, like someone who is trained in the school of Kobe Bryant. Like when you watch him, you see you 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 essentially it's almost like you can see like shades of 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 Kobe in the things that he's doing um and I, Joel Embiid who's been a troll to the whole NBA Giannis who has an MVP I'm I'm excited for whatever comes I just I'm I don't find the Clippers to be all that compelling and I think that that's intentional on their end yeah um and also I just don't really like the style that they play and I'm sick of I'm sick of watching the Clippers and and being like, why don't they try this? Why don't they do this? My, I've said it a million times. What well, my biggest pet peeve is feeling like I could do something better than somebody else who gets paid to do it for a living. I end every uh, Clippers game upset at Ty Lue. Like, there's no reason that I should feel like I would have done something different and it would have been better in that situation. <laughs> like, I'm a I'm an idiot talking about sports in a closet. Um, but I feel that way all the time when I watch the Clippers and they're just so frustrating. And I think the outside of Joel Embiid, the Sixers are a little bit, um, meh, you know, yes. but other than that, I'm, I'm super fired up for any other combination of possibilities. And the Mavericks are just such an exciting team. And maybe it's because I hate them so much, but the jazz are very interesting to me. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, you, you and you alone, bro. Like you are the only person who looks at the Utah Jazz besides Utah fans. They're like, yo, this team's super interesting. No, they're not. They're not. It would be a ratings disaster for what about Denver without Jamal Murray? What about Denver without Jamal Murray? Because I think I think that they're they're very interesting to me in that Michael Porter Jr. was considered one of the best basketball prospects of all time. Injury has delayed his rise, but he's getting there. Um Jokic is unstoppable it's yes. like you he's just unstoppable and he doesn't look like too. he belongs on the court yeah that's the um, that's the thing that makes him and luca so intriguing is that they're both so, so good and such 
amazing competitors while at the same time, like you look at them physically and you're like, how is this happening? And I think that that's what makes people mad and makes people want to watch is that they're like, why can't you stop him? He's slow and he's white. He can't jump. Like what? Why right. can't you defeat him? It's like he's got this special innate talent that people can't handle. And that makes it confusing for people, which then makes it fun to watch. And then we're going to get to see uh, if Aaron Gordon is worth anything for the first time ever as a as as somebody who comes off the bench. You know, he's been languishing in Orlando all this time. And now, you know, he's a bench player for, for the nuggets. And so I don't know, man, I'm, I'm very excited. I think that it's definitely more interesting when the, when the Lakers are in, it was definitely more interesting when the Knicks were in, but I'm, I'm happy with where we're at. I think it's giving new stars, the ability to shine and it's good for the long-term health of the NBA because LeBron's going to be gone someday. You yep. can't just depend on that forever. It's time to let some of these kids shine. Yeah. And the person that's shining brightest is Luka Doncic at this point in time. More than Trey? More than Trey? Because that series is not over. Okay. Yes, because, well, if he wins this series, then yes, it's a yes. But his matchup is much more difficult than Trey Young's was, except for the fact that Trey had the New York Knicks crowd taunting him. And then it, it felt to me like Reggie Miller. When he was like, no, dude, I love Madison. Like, and you can tell that Trey Young is built for these big moments. Yeah. I, it, and that's what I like when somebody can turn into a villain, but then a villain in such a and I'm not talking about Morris Twins villain, like or <laughs> or Draymond Green villain. I'm talking about villain where at the end of the day, you're like, Bro, he's so damn good. I need, I hate him, but I respect yeah. him. Do so, you, when now that the smoke is is clearing from, from that draft day trade, would you consider that to be one of the more equitable trades in NBA history or in all of sports? Trey for, Trey for Luca? No, no. You don't no. feel like that's equal? You don't feel the like, they, no. like they both went to the city that they okay. belong in? Okay. Here, now... Now that's fair because Luca in Atlanta doesn't feel as natural and authentic as Trey Young in Atlanta because at, at Atlanta's the black city. You know what I mean? And Dallas, you know, he he fits there because Dirk was there. He's a European. Like it it fits right. But the but no, it was not an equitable trade. We're talking about. And I know that these are big words and big players that I'm getting ready to use. We're talking about like LeBron James in the 2003 draft in Luka versus Dwayne Wade or Carmelo Anthony. Okay. Okay. I get what you're saying. It's the, it's the Peyton Manning for, for, uh, or Eli Manning for Philip Rivers. Phillip, yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, like you, like you, you got more with Luca, but you didn't do bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's, like you, like you still got something fantastic, but you could have had something a little bit better. Yeah, but you're still happy that you got the fantastic thing because you could have ended up with like Dario Saric or something. You know what I mean? Like it could have, it could. Oh it man, or my boy Marvin Bagley. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh so poor like Marvin. You, so there are like there is. So you can't be disappointed if you're an Atlanta Hawks fan with what you got because you got D- Dwayne Wade 
in, in the LeBron James draft. So so you didn't so but it does feel weird when you traded it away. It's not like they just had a higher pick. You did this. But uh, uh, you know, if Trey turns out to win a championship first, then there's nothing to even talk about. That's definitely an equitable trade. Um next thing up. The NBA of the NBA, the NFL has been race norming. And what that means is, is that when, uh, so if you go back to the concussion settlements where the NFL has had players who were filing suit because they had cognitive issues, everything from dementia to Parkinson's to, you know, ALS, all sorts of things because of how the league handled the helmet situation and handled concussions, even knowing that players were in danger, but they didn't care. And then so they agreed to pay out like a billion dollars in settlements, which ultimately ends up to be about a million dollars per club per year for the next 20 years or however long it is. So it's not like, you know, a a uh, a devastating amount of money to these to these teams. But what the NFL was doing to black players is they were race norming. And so when when players would go in to complain about dementia, Parkinson's or other issues, they would say essentially that players had a lower that they started with a lower cognitive ability because of their race, literally, not because of their education, any of that, but because black people some kind of way magically have a lower uh, uh, intellectual acumen compared to the white players who went through it. And nobody's making a big deal out of this. And I've heard players, former players talk about it And now that it's come to light, the NFL admitted it and then said it's changing its policies and reviewing the hundreds of claims by players. when, When people don't think that systematic racism exists, this is a prime example. This isn't the NFL saying, oh, yeah, we we we, uh, hate black people. No, this is some doctor. And some team of doctors who came up with some sort of um, uh, system that was that actually not only operated in the NFL, but operated in other parts of the medical community. That's how they came up with it. And I I'm just like, when you see stuff like this, how can you say when, when I hear people say, oh, there's no racism out in the world, systematic. It does doesn't exist. no is that you can, that's a victim mentality. No, it's not. You can say at the same time, I'm not going to let this BS stop me, but there are significantly more hurdles that I had to jump through. That's not being a victim. A victim is saying, I can't succeed because of these things. Acknowledging that the road is tougher, that you're going over a gravel road instead of a paved road, That doesn't mean that something is that you're a victim. It just means that you're acknowledging what you've had to go through. And the NFL is dead ass wrong for this. It shouldn't have taken this long to fix it. It, It's gross, Ralph. It's gross, but it was born out of something that was supposed to be helpful. So um, 
it, it, this is what it reminds me of. If, if my kids, they eat something, they get super messy, right? And I tell them like, hey, go get a wet wipe and clean up after yourself. And they go get a wet wipe and they clean up their hands and they clean where they were sitting. But they don't address the fact that when they went to go get a wet wipe, their hands are covered in ketchup or whatever. Now the wet wipes are covered in ketchup. Right. Like the mess that you made, the messiness that you were in created a mess within the solution to the mess. And that's what we talk about. when We talk about systemic racism. So race norming is something that that was come up with to address systemic racism. It was something that was it was given. So (laughs) aptitude tests for the longest time, minority communities were like, hey, these aptitude tests, these SATs or whatever else you're presenting us with, they were made by people who do not have the same shared life experience. So that when you take people who have had similar GPAs, similar work ethic and everything like that, how come white people are scoring higher than black people on average? So you have to take into account that it's possible, not that black people start from a lower cognitive ability, but that the actual test creates the imbalance between the cognitive ability, right? So then that's what began race norming, taking test scores in the aggregate and saying like, okay, so here is a bracket of all white people who took this test. People on the high end are over here. People on the low end are over here. Here's the same bracket of all the black people that took this test. Same deal. People on the high end are over in this percentile. People on the low end are over in this percentile. But we're going to judge these two separate brackets evenly. That's race norming, right? Where if somebody did really, really well for an African-American on a test that was supposedly um, built to innately put African-Americans at a disadvantage, the curve that they were being graded upon would afford them the same opportunities as a white counterpart. That was the initial point of race norming. But when you have systemic racism, I know, I know people hate the term systemic racism. I don't give a shit. So when you have systemic racism, right, when it's in the system of how we do things, and you, then you try to take that solution that you came up with, but it was created by the same people who created the original thing, you make a mess in the cleanup attempt. And so to come in and almost do the opposite, to say that like, well, we have this different cognitive bracket for a minority community based on how high or low they score to, to be equitable with the people who the test was intended for and built for. Sure. That makes sense. But what if we reverse the logic of it and say that um, somebody who was on the lower end actually um, didn't drop as much in their cognitive performance based on tests that we run because we have that same model. Uh, This model never, in my opinion, never should have been in place for something like this because you're not judging people on a standardized test. You're judging people on who that individual was and who they are now. That's a completely different thing. All of this should be on an individual basis. It's not you don't come in and be like, hey, my elbow hurts and uh, and have somebody look at you and be like, oh, well, you're a short armed person. Short armed person tend to have a lower tolerance for elbow pain. <laughs> Therefore, your elbow doesn't hurt as much as you said that your elbow is going to hurt. So here's half the medication that somebody else would have took. That is 
insane because it can only be relative to who you are. And, uh, and so, yeah, and the NFL, um, it's, it's really shitty that, you know, the NFL is going to get blamed for this when it was probably like a team of doctors and lawyers who have never even met. Correct. Any NFL employees, but the shield wears everything. And so it's the right thing for the NFL to come out and say that, Hey, we're going to stop doing this. But I think the best thing for the NFL to do would be to at least kind of try to figure out an explanation for how this happened in the first place so that they can explain themselves. Because I feel like I did a better job explaining what the intention of race norming is in the first place than anything that I've read on, on why the NFL was in this situation. Cause everyone I've seen reacting to this has been like race norming, what the hell in the year of our Lord, 2021. Yes. It's like, well, well, hold on. Race norming was built so that in the year of our Lord, 2021, we could be a little bit closer to the mark as far as equitable judgment. As long as the people at the top doing the judging are heteronormative white upper middle-class people, it's going to be tough. So these are the systems that we come up with to try to address it. The intent might've been good, but it backfires. And so somebody from the NFL really needs to come out and just be very clear on what this was and why, while at the same time admitting responsibility for the fact that it's not good. Correct. Correct. That I think that that's the biggest thing that you have to do is that you have to take responsibility and say, okay, here was the attempt and we didn't clearly execute this properly at all and that we have to look at the other systems in in place i mean but this is kind of the stuff that the league does too in that in that for the second time that there was a collective bargaining agreement the players who were uh disabled right they tried to lower their their uh who were totally and permanently injured they tried to lower their uh big uh, okay so so they re- they received monthly payments right of a certain amount it was like $120,000 a year uh for players who were permanently total and permanently disabled from their time in as the NFL, NFL players. Okay. And there was like a few hundred of them. Are there and, adjudicators that like say that, okay, this definitely happened because you're yes. in the NFL yep. and not yep. because you like lifted your kid incorrectly one time. Correct. Okay. And, and then, but there was a way, like if you were on social security, if social security deemed those players in their state disabled, right? The NFL automatically, deem them totally impermanent right because if this because you if you have to jump through all these hoops for the estate the, they were they were like why are why, why are we gonna send you through this battery of tests and all this stuff anyway because they, they were going to end up in a lawsuit so then what they did is in this last cba they tried to offset what well, they didn't try to they put the language in there that they were going to offset players social security payments from their total impermanent and and it, and players were like and the and the current players didn't understand when they were voting on this how big of a deal that this was to those players. I was shouting it from the rooftops on Twitter because I know some of these people. I was like, "How the hell is this okay? Like you're leaving the people who are most vulnerable." And then the uh, players were like, "Well, look, they're they're on 
Social Security, it's a lot of money. And they're not realizing that for total and permanent people, they usually have a family member who's a caretaker and that that's their only uh, and that that's their only like their single income families. So like <laughs> like that, that if you offset them a couple thousand dollars a month, like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month, that's a problem. For a single income family. And then players had to uh, current players and former players had to go to bat and file lawsuits and injunctions and all this stuff to get it stopped. And now what they're trying to do is take all the former players who were on total impermanent and then look at their and redo all of their cases. And see if they're, which means that they're going to try to get them off of it, essentially. It's it's ugly, dude. It's it's ugly. So while the NFL is trying to fix this, they also have a bunch of other things that they have not cared about former players. Because like Jerry Jones said, former players hold no hold no value to them. It's a really tough discussion to have within the context of knowing franchise worth and Goodell's salary and stuff like that. It, it People got hurt for our entertainment. And as we've learned more, we should be reacting accordingly. And if, and if the league has the money to be able to take care of its players, it should, because that's the only way you're going to continue to get players and have a league. So if, if they know that on the back end, they're going to be taken care of, you talk about the percentage of, 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 of disability and stuff like that. I, I was partially, you know, raised by an aunt and uncle who were both retired military. One was like 70% disabled and the other one was 60% disabled. And that was the first time that I ever learned these, these terminologies of like a percentage yeah, of disability, yeah. Yeah, the, which the is always really confusing rating. to me because. I would ask my aunt and uncle, I'd be like, well, if one of you 70 and one of you 60, do they take into account the fact that you guys live together <laughs> and like your disabilities actually like compound upon each other? Like the assistance that you need in any given situation is compounded by the fact that like my uncle still has issues from freaking like Agent Orange, right? Like, yeah. And so, you know, it. The, the whole thing is incredibly messy, and I, I, I just watched the way that Jon Stewart goes to bat for uh, – um, Oh, for this is not, 9-11. Yeah, definitely not a comparison of NFL players to 9-11 first responders, but it does come down to the fact that, like, why do we kick the can down the road, and why, if we have the means, do we not take care of the people who deserve to be taken care of from the source of um, – the that created the lack of care, right? I, I yep. just – it, it, it should be a very simple thing, but we tend to really overcomplicate things and lawyers need salaries too. So if they were just to say like, Hey, we're going to cover whatever you need because you did this in service to us. Uh, lawyers don't get paid. And I hate to be super cynical, but it's um, it, I, I, I really grasp at straws to find any other explanation as to why somebody with means can't take care of the person who got them those means. Yep. And doesn't the and that's a that's a great point. And that's even beyond where the Bible talk talks about if you if you can help somebody, essentially, like don't turn them away in that moment. Like don't don't wait till later. Um, like, George, 
if you're if you went to the if you went to the bakery to buy bread and your baker was starving <laughs> you bought five loaves of bread would you give a loaf to the guy who baked it absolutely or would you try to find out what percentage hungry he is to cut up that <laughs> one extra loaf you bought that day accordingly? I just uh, the stuff we do doesn't make sense. Yeah. Where, okay. Okay. So when exactly was the last moment that you ate? Oh. Oh. Okay, I'm not talking you, about oh, food. Oh, you ate us uh, 16 hours ago. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Okay, yeah. okay. So you're not like dying hungry. So you know. So so here's a third of a loaf. Oh, you uh, you uh, haven't eaten in eight hours, man. You don't even need anything. You're just uh, fasting right now. You're you're intermittent <laughs> fasting at this point. Oh, you haven't eaten in in seventy hours. Oh shit, you're getting close to dying. So uh, I'll, right. I'll give you a, th- but you're not quite on your deathbed. So I'm only going to give you three quarters of a loaf. Or the you haven't eaten in eight hours. You'll be fine. Can you help me carry the rest of this bread to my car? <laughs> <laughs> exactly dude at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER um the next thing up, the so there have been multiple documentaries that have come out about the 2000, the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. 
And uh, one is produced by LeBron James. It's called Dreamland. It was on CNN and HBO, uh, HBO Max. There's another one on the History Channel produced by Russell Westbrook. I've seen both. And then there's a third one, too. I forgot what station that that one's supposed to be coming on. But I've seen these these two. And for me, the most troubling thing about this, aside from the fact that in between 150 and 300 black people died and nobody knew about it, even including me, till like four years ago, that that's the most troubling part. But the but the thing is, is that and I but I didn't live in Tulsa. Or around there, the fact that it was not even talked about or taught in schools in Tulsa, that the mayor didn't even know about this. It's just this just is just like the idea that we don't even teach American history properly. It's gross, dude. It's so disingenuous and this whitewashing of history to like make the to make the uh to make the villains actual heroes and that doesn't make the like the, it's like this idea that people will then think oh my god we don't we don't love america america sucks no as a black person i love america i'm happy to be here nowhere else i'd rather be but also you can also say at the same time that there's some shit that sucks and that should have been different. And this whole idea of that slavery was like Tom Cotton from where he was from, from Arkansas, talking about, oh, that slavery was an essential evil to build this great nation or that like segregation and all that. Like you're like, no, it didn't have to be like that. Wrong is wrong. And 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 trying to like perpetuate this myth of of. American perfection is wrong. Like that's what America, America is about second chances. So America can get her own self a second chance by just admitting and telling the truth about it. Instead of getting so damn sensitive about the 1619 project or um, that, that people had a problem with in Utah and other places, like just tell the truth and people will be fine. <laughs> Look, when I was in, uh, I want to say ninth grade, we'll call it ninth grade, pretty sure, uh, ninth grade, um, at the semester I transferred into a new history class. And the reason that I did that is because there was a girl <laughs> that I thought was cute that was in that class. Um, and when I got there, they were talking about um, westward expansion. Yeah. And we got to a page in the textbook that mentioned um, Wounded Knee. Yeah. And I believe Sandy Creek. There was a, another um, another massacre uh, that happened at, at Sandy Creek, I believe. Um, so we get to these pages in the textbook and everybody was like, wait, is this real? 90 men, women, and children were murdered by um, the United States military. Uh, and there, there was nothing really beyond a couple of paragraph mention of um, 
of this. Well, my dad is from the Northern Cheyenne Reservation in southeast um, Montana. Um, the weird thing or the notable thing about reservations in the Plains region of the United States is that none of those groups of natives or indigenous people had homes. They were all migrants. Um, they all were mobile year round. They either followed Buffalo or followed other migratory um, paths for food sources and farming and, and hunting and things like that. So the entire idea of reservations is just wild. My dad's, family his lineage dates back to um the northern cheyenne getting put on a reservation in oklahoma and then just dying because it was not a region that they were used to living in the disease was introduced and uh and so they bailed they bailed on their reservation and they started to walk back north just yeah. to get somewhere closer to home if we're gonna die might as well die closer to home and the United States government chased them the whole way. They split into two bands. And eventually the United States government got so frustrated that they were like, F it, stay up there. And that's how my dad, the reservation that he's from, came to be in southeastern Montana. People left. They just walked away yeah. and they had to gather everybody back up and put them somewhere new. Um, so I was familiar growing up with just stories that my grandmother would would tell us while she was smoking cigarettes and, and, and drinking a Coors. She talked to us about um, about Sandy Creek and Wounded Knee and stuff like that. And I remember there's two paragraphs in my ninth grade history book. And uh, and my teacher at the time, I think his name was Dave Nardi. He uh, he was like, does anybody else know anything about this or have you ever even heard of it before? And I raised my hand and I remember that day in class, I got to tell people the stories that my grandmother, Virginia Fisher, would tell me. And we spent probably 45 minutes longer on it than we ever would have just based on what's in the textbook. Otherwise, we, it just would have been completely glossed over. I think we actually ended up watching a documentary or a movie um, later on in the year in class because the history teacher was excited that it was something that I knew about or was interested in. That type of stuff can only happen when somebody is aware or has the ability to speak up. And even then in ninth grade, I, I only barely knew what I was talking about to be able to expand on the two paragraphs that were in our history book. Um, my college roommate, um, who is a history teacher now, my, my college roommate, my, my last year of high school, I lived in an apartment um, with somebody else who was also in high school. His name was Myron and both his parents were lawyers and they like moved out of state. They left him there and he's a history teacher now and a football coach in somewhere in Virginia. And he posted today um, on Twitter that he is more um, more upset that they're not teaching about the uh, only successful coup in U.S. history in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898, where you had a group of elected black citizens that were overthrown and taken out of office by white supremacists. Today, George, was the first time I'd ever heard about that. Yeah. Dude, ever dude. in my life. Had no idea. Bro, it, it is just, you're just sitting here like, how? How? And, and of course, I wouldn't want to talk about all the like if so, dude, if you don't know about Black Wall Street and the Tulsa 1921, you need to read about it. It is worth your time and worth your energy. And when you learn how many other like that, this is not just a single unique case. 
Like you, you had this happen in, in Pennsylvania in what, like the 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 sixties, seventies, and you're sitting here like, bro, like how how do you just gloss over this? And and your, and I get your it. wife was sharing uh, news stories with me that I never knew about about land grabs on the California coast. Yep, finding ways to disenfranchise black families, get the land out from under them, and 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 develop it. It's, it's just stuff. And and I think this all comes back to when we talk about systemic racism, um, which I know just more people are just shutting the show off right now. But think about it this way: George and I have a podcast um, that covers the Pac-12. I went to Arizona State and covered Arizona State uh, professionally. You played at Oregon. A lot of the stuff that we talk about is going to skew toward what we know. Yep. Who are the people that wrote these textbooks? <laughs> who, are the, who are the people that debated yep. in public meetings what should be included in the textbooks after they'd already been written yep. for public consumption and publicly funded institution? It is wild, wild to me, the amount of time we spend on Christopher Columbus and the Mayflower in comparison to learning about the people who were already here and learning about the people who came shackled of no accord of their own, because those should technically be equal. Yes. Because they are all origin stories as to how we got here. But you went through the same public school system that I did. I don't have a problem with my education, but it does help to look at it through the lens of who wrote these textbooks, who approved this curriculum, who was teaching it. Yes. And in every circumstance for me throughout all of school, my first black teacher was PE ninth grade. That was my first black teacher. My first Hispanic teacher, seventh grade math. Yeah, dude, it, it is it is crazy because like if you're if you've been around a lot of black people, you have heard somebody inevitably say, oh, man, I have Indian in my family. Pretty much all of them. And I was like, why do black people and Indians like, like, why is this a thing? But then once you understand what happened with the five civilized tribes and the fact that they owned slaves, you're like, oh, this makes sense. And how they were forced to own slaves and all this other stuff. You're just like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> now I understand how this sorts of thing happens. So well, they just found two hundred and fifteen bodies of children in Canada because of the schools that they used to take all these Indian kids and put them at away from their families to assimilate them to the acceptable religions and mannerisms of the time. They just uncovered a mass grave in fucking Canada. Yep. This week, this week is that going to be in the same history book that gave us the poem uh, 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Man, absolutely not. There's no, and there's nobody to blame. There's, it's not a blame game. It's not, it's not a blame game. There's yeah, so many, just, there's just so many people it. yelling. Why didn't anybody teach me about this? You have the tools now learn and tell other people and do it in a way. That's not like your great grandfather was a bastard. And now I'm going to take it out on you. Like just show a little bit of grace and educate. Yep. 100%. Um, you guys, the next thing up, uh, Ralph hates vaccine incentives and you can tell everybody why it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. Um, I just got vaccinated. Um, second dose, uh, it was not fun. <laughs> um, 
I went to Target. So I moved in the middle of my my vaccine schedule, which made it harder to get the second dose. Uh, I've been minding my business. And, you know, if I go out, I usually go through a drive through. If I go, you know, I'll, I'll do some stuff. I still mask up, even though I'm vaccinated. Th- these are just my choices. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to do what I do. Um, but I finally, finally got my second vac- vaccination dose scheduled. I landed on getting vaccinated based on um research that I did. I don't have an issue with people who didn't get vaccinated. And I understand that there are plenty of reasons why people are not doing it. Um, But I will say that it was easier to understand after I got the second dose, my blood pressure spiked. It knocked me on my, it knocked me on my ass within an hour. Um, And then it was probably a good 17 hours of feeling like I could hear my stomach just like talking. I don't have, I'm not one of those people with like a noisy gut or whatever. So it's like 17 straight hours of my stomach, like speaking in tongues. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Shouting praise. And, um, and then, and, and just, but like, I, I've, I've, I had some blood pressure issues in, in, in my life and, uh, to feel that coming and, That was it was a little bit scary. And I think it made me realize at the time of like we have all of these testimonials of the second dose of the vaccine um, doing the damage that it does in order to be effective. And there's a lot of people out there that say, I'm going to take my chances with the virus, especially with most people, my age, my build, my life experience level were probably asymptomatic um, or the illness wasn't that bad. And I ended up with the antibodies anyway. Um, and people feel like they have a better understanding of the illness than they do the vaccine. Anyway, I understand where those people are coming from, especially when you have people like me telling the story of like how I did not feel good after. So there's either going to be people saying that they already got it or that they would rather just have it than get the vaccine. I get where you're coming from. I'm sure there's a million arguments as to why that's not a good idea. And I'm sure that the argument they presented to themselves about why that was a good idea is fine. I'll just say that I'm I'm about 36 hours off of my experience, and it was uh, it, it was it was it was heavy there for a minute. Um, I feel good about being vaccinated. I'm going to continue to be careful, and I, I understand the consequences of it. I lost an aunt. One of my employees lost a, um, a father-in-law. The co-owner of my business died covering high school football games in Arizona in a region that was not taking precautions seriously. So I'm well aware of, and and I got a million other stories that I paid attention to my neighbor in, in Arizona before moving to North Carolina, her parents made national news for dying within seconds of each other, like holding hands from COVID. Um, So I've, you know, I've I've been around plenty of people who are suffering the effects of it. and And I felt like, you know, hopefully I'm doing my small part by getting vaccinated so that I don't spread it to somebody else who might not have the capability to, to fight it. Um, However, I have been trying to be graceful and compassionate toward people who have made the opposite decision and to listen to their reasons why. And I I had one friend present to me the argument, um, and I'm not saying this is good or bad, but I do want to get your thoughts on it. Present to me the argument that if the vaccine is so good for you, why is everybody incentivizing that you get it? And their logic was that if there was a cure for cancer, do you really think they would have to throw donuts and beer and coupons at you <laughs> to take it there? So they're, yeah. they're, what they've arrived on is there must be some nefarious purpose that all these companies are offering unhealthy incentives in order to get you to do something that's supposedly for the good of 
everybody's health. Uh, what what do you say to that argument, George? That free Budweiser, free Krispy Kreme. Um, I got dude, a $5 coupon to Target. <laughs> dude, this makes it just more outrageous. Um, more outrageous that that like so many people would be in on this. You see what I'm saying? That like you would have, you know, the original manager at Chick-fil-A that he's in on it, uh, that the Krispy Kreme owner is in on it. Well, not even owner, but you know, CEO is in on it. Whoever else that all of these people are in on this, on this, because this is some sort of new world order conspiracy. It's just, it's asinine to me like that. Like, I mean, it's like those Demetria people talking about the numbers and the, the numerology and all of these coincidences. No, it's not coincidences. You can just find you can find a way to manipulate numbers and tabulate them and then pick the right ones that fit with. Keep going down the list until you find something that fits. It's 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 silly, man. That doesn't mean that there aren't secret societies, that people don't have nefarious plans and all of this. But the idea that that people are in on it in mass, it, I'm, I'm not I'm not in on that. That's stupid. Well, especially. Yeah. Co- do you know how hard it is for me to coordinate with my own wife? Like what to do with my kids in the afternoon? Like, you really think that there's a worldwide <laughs> coordinated effort to get us all microchipped? to raise money for big pharma or is it more likely that the marketing director of Krispy Kreme is incentivizing, giving people free donuts in order to get vaccinated so that one people won't forget that Krispy Kreme exists. And two, once everybody's vaccinated, more people will be out and about buying donuts. Yep. Yep. Like that's dude. It's, it's I mean, if you think about it, it's actually a simple marketing scheme. It is. Hey, guys, here is a five dollar off coupon. Uh, but then everything in the store costs six bucks. You know what I mean? So it's right. like and, and it's a place if you go get donuts. Have you ever in your life seen a person who has a family? Right. Or even not have a family, yeah. Because go buy one single donut. It's like Lay's; you can't just eat one because you're like, oh, well. well actually, I'll, I'll give one for tomorrow too, or I'll give I'll give one to Susie. That'll that'll be nice. I'll get, you know what I mean? Like it's it it's like giving a parent a free a free ticket to go see the new Disney movie. One free ticket. What good is that? You're not going to send your kid all by it by itself. So then you got to go another ticket. Probably got other kids. Take them to buy some popcorn, buy some all that. Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's a it's marketing employee. It is not. And the market employee is not to uh, not for the purposes that people are acting like it's for. Come on, man. I, d- I do think that the, that the it is important to recognize the irony of like bribing people with candy and shit to get uh, vaccinated. But like, that's also how I get my kids to do their homework. So it's not completely unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> like incentives work. 
And if yes. the goal, if the societal goal, especially from a government level, is to get the highest number of people vaccinated as possible so that um, companies feel like they can get back to some level of normalcy um, and production and everything like that. And, and, and um, you know, we can get to a point where our frontline people and our medical workers aren't coming into contact with this um, as often then then great. But just the idea that it's all for some cynical and nefarious purpose is weird. Um, oh. I will I, you at, at the very worst, even if this ends up being a bad thing, then it's a misguided thing that had good intent. And the people who have the inability to recognize the intent behind uh, vaccinations as anything more than just like a big pharma play to make lots and lots of money. Like that's just not how this is not how things work. Things are never black and white. They never are. Dude, I, for one, I incentivize, especially my my older son, Damon, who's 15. He's decided, you know, he's part of his gener generation. He has to read a lot of books for, for school at the school he's at, but doesn't particularly enjoy reading. So I incentivize him. I know that this would not work in, in your household, Ralph, because, because you and Aaron would be broke and and living and homeless and your kids would be living in a mansion uh so i paid damon 75 bucks for every non-school book he reads oh my god my son would be bill gates <laughs> my oldest my oldest son would be a trillionaire dude that's all he does but, see but the uh, other kids no, no, no issue. I don't incentivize them that way. I incentivize them to do things that they won't do all by themselves on their own. But that's that's an area for for him that I want him to be better at. So find we we've, we've tried other things that that seems to get it done. And he doesn't read enough books that it that it's like <laughs> pro pro prohibitive. Like we're talking like. Seven extra books a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's not. It, yeah. And the cool thing about reading a book is once you've read it, you read it. Yeah. Like, that stays with you forever. I listen. I read that book. Yep. At bed three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, now it is time for cancel or consequence. Do we need to cancel? 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 Or is there a justified consequence? Let's find out now. Cancel or consequence today is about sportsmanship in sports. Because there have been so many people talking about, oh, Oh, sports, the, these, these players, they're not exhibiting great sportsmanship. Look at Devin Booker. He, uh, he went and dunked the ball at the end of the game, and this was against my Lakers. He dunked the ball at the end of the game, even though the shot clock was not going to, even though the Suns had to shoot the ball on that series because of the shot clock and the time. Oh, my God, he should have done, he shouldn't have dunked it. It was bad sportsmanship. And then LeBron walked off the court with five minutes to go uh, in game five to go to do what he said was go get early treatment. And then game five, he didn't shake everybody's hand. And then, but then he went to Devin Booker, signed him a jersey, gave it to him, took a picture, and posted it on Instagram. But uh, what what are we talking about here? I don't. Um, I check out. I check out every single time we're having this discussion about sportsmanship. I think that sportsmanship at the end of the day is a respect for your opponent. Yep. And if you. For their humanity, right? Like. And, and, and in some instances for, I guess, their feelings, but for the most part to just realize that the only way that you have competition is if other people are competing too. respect, the, res, respect the competition, respect. Um, it's just respect. That's all it is. You can respect somebody. And like make a face at them after you dunk on them <laughs> because yes, dunk. Dunking seem I would give it all up just to dunk on one person to dunk on George Rice there. <laughs> I'd give up everything just to one time, just once from the baseline. Dude, <laughs> like that's, yeah, Kevin Johnson over Elijah One style. But I, I just that's funny though. On on a side note, because <laughs> I would never dream of that because I've done it. So it's like 
Not in not in the NBA, but in high school, and I did it against guys who are in NBA, in the NBA now. Like I've dunked on guys, and but the idea that you're like, dude, I would just like to dunk on somebody one time. It's an amazing feeling, but but it's just funny how we all have our own separate dreams and ideas about stuff that we think would be dope to do. I love my children with all my heart. When they go to throw like a sock in the hamper. I'm taking a huge swing at it. And if I connect and it goes across the room, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is going to be get that weak shit out of here. <laughs> Cause that's what you hear in the NBA. Bro, I love, I love my kids. I want them to be responsible. I want them to respect other people, but also get that weak shit out of here. Like, just, like that's just, <laughs> it, it doesn't. So you have to put context in everything. Everyone loves, where is he up here? Larry Fitzgerald. Everybody loves Larry Fitzgerald. Because he is classy, consummate professional, always acts like he's been there before. If he scores a touchdown, hands the ball to the ref right away. If Larry Fitzgerald gets a first down late in the game or makes a diving catch, he gets up and he flexes and he howls into the sky with a ferocity that I don't see any other player exhibit. Is that being disrespectful or is that just getting caught up in the moment? You have to apply context to everything in the NBA. If somebody is talking crap, if somebody walks off the court early, if somebody won't shake hands, if things get chippy, if somebody shoots the ball when there's time left on the clock, I always look at those situations and say, like, I've got enough problems in my life. If anybody was upset by that, I'm going to let them handle it. I can point out that something happened. It was funny to me when LeBron walked off the court with five minutes left. Of course, I was going to say something, but I'm not, I wasn't going to say he's a bad sport. I just said that they made him walk off. That they made him quit. That's funny, right? But to say that he's a bad sport removes the context of an entire 18-year career. It's lazy and it's stupid and it ignores the whole idea of you, that you just control what you can control. In life, in sports, you control what you can control. I can't. If somebody flips a bat, it is what it is. Like I, I don't think too hard about whether or not I would like to see them flip a bat. My my wife had a friend text her a video. They were at a baseball tournament. Her kid hit six home runs in the on the weekend. Yeah. In between the fifth and sixth home run, and these kids are like twelve. In between the fifth and sixth home run, the catcher chirped at the kid. Okay. He hit the sixth one out. He threw the bat like way the hell down the first baseline. And I told Aaron, I was like, if I tweet this video, it will get 10,000 retweets and will be surrounded by the dumbest arguments in the history of sport. Yeah. Because these kids are 12. I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to subject some other lady's kid to this. I just want to let you know that the thing that you just showed me will make people cry. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I just, I've just I've never understood it. I, I think emotion is good. I think controlling your emotion is also good. Everything has its place. That sometimes people take things too far, and that gives us the opportunity to like. Remember when Roger Clemens picked up Mike Piazza's bat and threw it back at him? Yes. Like that's one of the only times in my life where I've been like, "Holy shit! Wait, hold on! <laughs> like this has possibly gone too far because that is a." That's like a javelin or yeah. obviously, you know, Vernon Maxwell could have could have maybe been a little bit better of a sport than he was uh, when he ran up 10 rows and knocked out a fan. But I think for the most part, it's just stuff that happens in the field of play. And the fact that people get upset about it is insane to me. 
Yep, I 100% agree with you there. Now it is time for the best of social media. Now, 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 now. here's the best of social media. Best of social media where we literally show you the and let you hear the best things from social media. Um, here is the first thing up. So you remember when Charles Barkley was talking about Anthony Davis, which he ended up like backpedaling on. Yeah, Anthony Davis is a great kid, blah, 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 blah. He shouldn't have been out there playing it. But you're the one who called him fragile. You're the one who, who dunked on him, and then you go and turn around. But here's a, a parody account. Charles, uh, let's hear that list. First off, Ernie, you know I don't like to say things that make people upset. Okay, Chuckster, but you guys are making me do this, so here we go. This is going to be good. First up, instead of the brow, we got the brouch. I heard that one on Dan Patrick. They might get shirts. Next up, Mr. Glass. I love Samuel L. Jackson. He's the best part of those commercials. And Shaq is uh, definitely an expert on commercials. That's a good one, Ernie. And last but certainly not least, here we go, Ernie. Anthony Day to Davis. Okay. Reaction, Ralph. Uh, I think it's cool for a completely different reason other than what they were talking about. Frank Caliendo lives in Arizona. I heard him on Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast a couple of months ago. Gary Vaynerchuk convinced him to join TikTok and and that more of the youth needed to hear his stuff and hear how good he was at everything. So it's kind of cool to see him on TikTok, like, killing it right i just to to hear that interview and then to see him doing that is really cool he's really good at what he does um that whole thing was funny and his ernie johnson impressions incredible yes no it was it was really good um here's the next thing this is a fight at walmart in inglewood uh that clearly it, i don't know if the people of walmart twitter I, I mean webpage actually holds videos if it if it does this should be on here this is a man with a cart trying to ram a Walmart employee. So if you didn't see it, you can watch it on the YouTube video or on Twitter on <laughs> this was a he got knocked the F out. <laughs> he tried to ram the employee and then somebody tried to stop the employee. And it, this was interesting to me because I was like, because we, we just saw a fight video not too long ago where somebody was like. Where the where the guy he went and punched somebody and then somebody held him back and then he clearly didn't want to go punch him anymore because one person can't hold you back when you're that mad. One one person can't and this person was not going to be held back. That's the way you go fight somebody. And um, the last thing of the best of social media, Ralph reminded me of this. This is from his favorite one of his favorite players of all time, Trevor Ariza. Uh, who, uh, when he knocked out Clay Thompson? Oh, that's, that's not good. You need a direct hit on the right. Dude, he he essentially, if you guys remember when Antonio Brown 
was trying to hurdle the 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 Browns punter, I think it was, and then just kicked them in the chest and kept running. That's that's essentially what Trevor Ariza did. He should be jailed for that. Not not actually jailed, but like he should have been suspended from from the NBA. That was intentional. He need the man in the head. Like that's a dangerous play. That that's a flagrant six. I'm still trying to get past you calling Trevor Reason my favorite player. Why? Because he is definitely not. He no, is. Uh, you how many players? How many players in the NBA? Four hundred and fifty. Yeah, about about there. Four hundred forty ninth least favorite player. Who's four hundred forty ninth favorite player? Who's if number four hundred fifty? Who's past him? Jimmy Butler. Oh my! How do you hate Jimmy Butler? What? Because well, people overlove him. You pull up his stats from them getting sweeped. Oh, oh, so twenty nine percent when he so goes out there and he shoots like, twenty nine percent and bullies a bunch of nineteen year olds. People are just like, "Oh, look at that leadership!" <laughs> and, and when he you, quits on multiple teams, oh man, it's just because he can't so take you, the youth of today. I hate the youth of today. Therefore, I love Jimmy Butler. So I mean, anytime he has a good game, people are like, oh, Jimmy's back. <laughs> Come on, man. And and you have to be the person to counteract all the Jimmy love with some poo-pooing to make sure that it that is accurate. I just I, I'm watching all these people, especially old heads like they'll be like, oh, man, he yelled at Carl Anthony Towns. That's a leader. I'm like, or that's an asshole. Like he, it's. <laughs> There's more than one option available here. Like, let's just address the fact that, like, wherever he goes, he finds somebody to pick on. <laughs> like, are are we sure? Are we sure? But there's so many people out there that just hate everybody who's younger than them that they look at Jimmy Butler and they just say, like, oh, no, he's doing everything right. <laughs> and there's a lot of people who, who who credit him for being a superstar. And I don't I just always there's wonder nothing how, superstar about Jimmy. But, but, but how I just how does he get away with going out there and shooting three for 16? When if Russell Westbrook did that, that's all we'd be talking about for days. Jimmy Butler does it. Crickets. Because he's not that that in and of itself lets you know that he's not a superstar, because if he were a su- superstar, that would not be working. You know what I mean? All right. Um, yeah, I just if somebody can explain to me why all the love for Jimmy Butler, I'd love, 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 love to hear it. <laughs> all right, you guys, that's Reister or Wrong for the day. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson. Make sure to look out for if you missed any of it, the podcast on wherever podcasts are found, wherever you listen to it, and YouTube as well. Peace out and make sure you visit unafraidshow.com. Peace out. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.